If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ prayed for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Morning. Uh, also with our, I want to say good friend, man, it feels like we've known you so long. Uh, I guess who's been on before, Pastor C.T. Kirk. Uh, we just had him on last month. I know that's wasn't that long ago, but we had a very important topic that we think he has a unique perspective on. Today, we're going to be asking him about, um, as a history teacher, his perspective on Black History Month. We're going to ask him a little bit more on his book that we mentioned last time. It's uh, How the West Was Whitewashed. Uh, but before we do, we're going to jump in and we just got a couple of things we like to do first. Uh, one, we like to review some of what our audience has been saying on social media and stuff. And one thing I like to do is to give three of my favorite answers to our last silly question. Our last silly question was, if you had to recast the Ninja Turtles as any other animal, who would you cast them as? Or what would you cast them as? And I got to be honest with you guys, I'm not going to give you my three favorites, but only because there were so many answers, like so many. And twice, two people said the same thing. So I feel obligated to give those. So both Diana and Miss Mandy said kangaroo, so Teenage Mutant Ninja kangaroos. Both Russell and Jessica said sloths for some slow-mo action. Uh, One answer I did just really like uh, because of her description of why. Our friend Tyler said giraffes and specifically said, just imagine them going through the sewers. And that that was just a hilarious image for me. Uh, And and lastly, I just want to do honorable mention to our friend Zeb, who said tortoises, because that's what I should have said. Because they are tortoises. Yeah. Turtles and tortoises are just my favorite. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So that that was last week's uh what's this week's silly question tj all right uh so this week's silly question which is you know for all of us who is your favorite animated dog besides scooby-doo yeah. who is you know just overwhelmingly the most popular cartoon dog yeah just uh, too easy for people to say that yeah. we have to take Josh, that did you want to go first i will yeah yeah i don't have a problem with that um he's been on a few different shows doesn't have his own show i really like him from comics so i feel like i'm cheating but whatever he's been in animated marvel shows it's a lockjaw who Mm. is a big giant dog who's just fun loving that happens to have the powers of teleportation and um it lives with the inhumans and he's just really stinking cool yeah technically one of the inhumans cool character yeah Yeah. Uh, i think my favorite animated dog it's technically claymation, but that is a form of animation. Uh, is Gromit from Wallace and Gromit? Oh, that's a good one. Because if you've ever watched Wallace and Gromit, those are great. Those are those great. are great movies. 
And Gromit's a great character. Uh, so, Pastor CT, Pastor Kirk, uh, do you have a favorite animated dog other than Scooby-Doo? Other than Scooby-Doo, I would say, y'all might not be um, old enough to remember Astro from the Astro. Jet. Yes, any, I was hoping someone would say that. Any dog that can call his owner by first name knows his owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's just cool. true. <laughs> Man, that, that was just, that was fun. All right, so... um. That being said, we're going to jump into the meat of it. Uh, man, we're really honored to have you, a history teacher who recently wrote a book on this exact subject. So it's crazy that we get this opportunity. Um, so as a history teacher and an author about of a book about Black history, uh, what, what could you tell us about the importance of having time that's dedicated specifically to focusing on Black history in America? Um, I think that black history is American history. And I think if we're ever going to move beyond um, the racial tension that we see in our, co- in our country, we have to recognize um, the, different co- the different contributions of all people of race. And I know that um, African-American history or black history was set aside as a time to honor the legacy and the um, accomplishments of African-Americans, especially during the 19, early 1900s. Uh, where there was no recognition, uh, I'm sorry, early 20th, uh, 20th century, where there's no recognition of African-Americans in school or in uh, the media. But I think that we're beyond those times now that we have to set aside a certain month to honor those who have contributed to our country throughout the years. And so I think that it is almost a disrespect now to say Black History Month and then basically say, well, okay, we're going to teach everything but the contributions of African-Americans the rest of the months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it seems to be what most people think now. It's like, you know, there's really no reason to subjugate it to just this one month. It really doesn't make sense. But uh, yeah, so you you don't think it's helpful to have a time specifically dedicated to it. You think we should just always include it with everything else? Exactly, because I think that when you explain history, the only other time you hear about African-Americans, you hear about Frederick Douglass sprinkled in when you want to cover slavery. But really knowing those major contributions um, and then I I see a lot of teachers and people try to gather up some lessons or try to mention a couple people. And so it's cool. You hear about Dr. Martin Luther King, but you don't hear about Marcus Garvey. You don't hear about Megger Everest. You don't hear about those that were um, fighting during the civil rights movement. And I think that it's almost as though. Um, we're just saying, okay, now February, everybody turn on your um, diversity and teach African-American history rather than saying, okay, no, we recognize this as American history. Because I think if you say that we have to teach African-American history, then we should be teaching Irish American history. We should be teaching uh, uh, Polish American history, but all of that has been consumed into America and so should African-American history. Okay, so it's not like St. Patrick's Day, where it's like a special day to recognize this. You think we more use it as an excuse, basically? I, I think it's out. I think it's outlived its um, importance, and I think that again, when you look back at the history of it, it was important because it wasn't celebrated. But now, if we're saying that we're forward moving, if we're progressive, if we are trying to meet that level of diversity, then we got to stop excluding people from history and just saying, "Okay, now we're going to give you your money. We're going to give uh, historic." Um, Hispanics their month, then we're going to give Native Americans their month. If this is truly American history, then why not put it all in a bowl and say, let's just teach it as it happened? Okay, so you think it was important once upon a time, but it's kind of come and gone when that was necessary. 
Yeah, I think anything that becomes mundane, it's like if you do communion on the first Sunday of every month, it loses its value. And I think that when we say, okay, February is your month, bang, I think it loses its value. And you see people trying to, like I said before, trying to get lessons together, but it's not really celebrated anymore because we know February is coming and then we got to we got to give a couple of graham crackers to the African-American history. But I think that if it was incorporated into curriculum all through in the year, then we would learn these things as they happen. That's right. Okay. Uh, so how often do you think stories like those told in your book, uh, how the West was whitewashed, get told in schools? Never, mm-hmm. never. Most people don't know about Stagecoach Sally or Brett Johnson or Bass Reese. We're just finding out really who Bass Reeve was. Um, mm-hmm. through some um, articles on the internet, but they never get taught. In fact, when I was teaching in fifth grade and we talked about the Western expansion and the frontier, we never talked about any African-American cowboys. We never talked about any African-American outlaws. In fact, it was just sprinkled upon. You talk about sitting Bull, Custer's Last Stand, and then you move on to something more interesting. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you're right, because like, I did learn about Bass Reeves in high school, but not through high school. Uh, my friend Cameron and I just found out about Bass Reeves, and we were like, man, that's awesome. That's, I, I, that's, I can tell you way younger than me because I didn't even know who Bass Reeves was until I was in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, speaking of Bass Reeves, uh, can you tell us uh, one or a few of the stories you write about in your book? Tell us about them. Well, Bass Reese was one of the probably the most well-respected uh, lawmen out in the West, even transitioning beyond going from slavery to actually being a lawman. And we know that after slavery, the, the next thing that really kind of happened was Jim Crow in order to once again suppress African-Americans. But Bass Reese uh, was very well-respected as being a lawman. In fact, um, according to historians, the Long Ranger show was really written about the life of Bass Reeves because Bass Reeves did have a Native American um, um, person that that they would call Tonto along with him on many of his um, many of his arrests and he even wore um, disguises to disguise and play tricks upon those criminals in order to be able to arrest them but then as segregation um, began to get heated up more so when Jim Crow became even bigger um, he had to retire from arresting um people out in the west mm-hmm. and it was an incredibly impressive arrest record uh he made i think it was three thousand three thousand three thousand and he only ever killed 14 people and he was never injured that's insane bass reeves is probably one of the coolest dudes to ever live at a killer mustache uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, if you haven't seen it, go look yeah. it up. It's it's great. It's incredible. And also, I just <laughs> found this out today. Uh, Bass Reeves has a great, great, great grandson who plays in the National Hockey League. Ryan Reeves. Wow. And I, yeah, I thought that was awesome because like I knew who Ryan Reeves was and I knew who Bass Reeves was, but I had no clue they were related. Uh, so that was, you know, so. Uh, Pastor CT, you mentioned a couple times um, Jim Crow laws. A lot of people who listen to this may have heard that. You know, I, I've heard it a lot, and it wasn't until last year, I think, that I really researched it and learned exactly what those were. Could you just explain to people what Jim Crow was all about? 
Jim Crow laws had to come in order to um, kind of erase what the black coats were set to do. The black coats were established uh, during Reconstruction to really give African Americans some rights um, after slavery. And the Jim Crow laws were launched to really bring in that segregation, that 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 part of history that really said, okay, you drank your water here or suppressing the right to vote. And so when we talk about Jim Crow laws, we talk about laws that was really set to suppress African-Americans from really rising up. And it probably did just as much damage to African-Americans being able to uh, come up as slavery. And a lot of people don't focus on the Jim Crow laws, but we still see um, sprinkles of segregation happening now, whereas we've seen our schools go back to being more segregated. Uh, than they have been in the last 60 years. And so when we think about Jim Crow laws, I think it's very important for us to understand that these are the reasons why a lot of African-American stories could not be told on television or in movies. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, even the Lone Ranger TV series, which was, I don't remember the decade it came out, but it was early enough to have been in black and white. But (laughs) the main character was a a white dude Mm -hmm. playing as the Lone Ranger. You know, that's, you know, that's something that came about because of Jim Crow laws. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I think it's important to notice that that Hollywood um, has information that they knew that uh, you see it. You still see it today. The, the 2000 and something version of The Lone Ranger, which was probably a bomb, uh, cast a uh, white person as The Lone Ranger once again. But Johnny Death really as Tonto was kind of like, what? And so we, we see now that Hollywood is more about making money than really telling the real story. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, uh, that's pretty much always true. Disney's Pocahontas is kind of atrocious. Fun movie, <laughs> but yeah, just kind of atrocious, <laughs> just a little. Well, you know, it's a great movie, but it's also terrible misinformation. Mm-hmm. Right. If they had used all different names, it, it would be a good movie. <laughs> yeah, just made up a whole new thing. Yeah, instead of using all the same names to make up a completely new story. Uh, I just don't. Anyway. Yeah. So in what way? I'm sorry. In what ways do you think? I I know you mentioned that uh, Black history should be instead of delegated to a month, it should be all the time. In what ways do you think learning about Black history in that way would impact our ability to move forward in light of like everything going on right now? I think this is a realistic view of history um we're in we're in a time now where where they have been taking down statues of confederate soldiers or those that um supported racism in some fashion and i was not a favor of taking down every statue i said we need to add more statues to to give a realistic story we need to add the statue of frederick douglas um right beside one of those statues that were removed so that, that we can get a realistic story if i'm talking about slavery and i don't know who sojourner truth is and I don't know that she was the first African-American woman that really got the ear of President Lincoln, that I don't have a realistic view of the contributions that African-Americans made through many monumental parts of history. Even the women's movement and Susan B. Anthony reached back to African-American women and say, you know what, on this issue, we're all women. We can't vote no more than you guys can vote. And I think it gives us a realistic view of the whole history scenario that um, Asians were used as bomb testing when the, in, in the Great West when the railroad was being built. Um, Hispanics is where we get the chaps from and the spurs on shoes and the cowboy hats. When we don't have all of this history at our hands and where we're just saying, okay, you know what, we're just separating them in months and we're going to give a little bit tad bits. 
then we think that American history is only white history. And it's not, it's everybody that contributed to making America great. And I think that if that was really said, then when Donald Trump said, let's make America great, everybody would have felt that America was going to be great because everybody's contributions and accomplishments were established and noted. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Pastor Kirk, uh, what do you think the biggest obstacle is for furthering racial equality today? Teaching, teaching it in our schools. I think that it has to have the foundation and the, the, the establishment of our schools. I think that because you look at generations, um, one thing you're not going to change is the way that somebody believes in their household. But school is like that ultimate foundation. And one thing that we teach in our school is Socratic um, teaching, which gives the children the opportunity through a series of questions to derive at their own answers. And it's Socratic teaching, there's no right or wrong answer. But it allows the children to be able to be taught from each other and at the same time seeing a different perspective. That's one thing that I always try to do in my classroom was show a different perspective. That if we're going to evaluate the 1960 cop uh, that sprayed the water hose on the African-American children, let's see what this man's mindset was. Um, number one, he had a job, he had a family, but this was also law that he felt like he was protecting. And I think that when we see each other's perspectives and stop saying, you know what, that where somebody's always calling a race card or, or everybody's racist, but sit down like Dr. King said at that table and talk about these issues, then we're going to see more racial equality. We can't expect for America to be unified when America has never been unified outside of September 11th. And so unless we're going to have another tragedy that brings us all together, we got to be able to sit down and talk so that our differences can be put on the table and then we can learn to heal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, while, while we're talking about this, I kind of wanted to get your take on, um, I, I was just thinking about how I would answer that question. And I, I just kind of wanted your opinion. Um, I really feel like one really big obstacle to at least my generation and maybe even my parents' generation is, and, and this is going to sound weird, is learning dates of when things happened. Like it, it really mm -hmm. keeps dawning on me how recent a lot of this happened like how recent jim crow laws were or some of the redlining that happened i learned this week and this blew my mind that dr king had a significant part in helping one of the cast members of star trek do what she did being the first interracial kiss on tv and i was just like wow star trek that's mm -hmm. something I, I kind of grew up with like i like i knew about that and that's that's just crazy to me how recent some of this is um do you think it would help if people understood how recent a lot of this damage was done? Oh, absolutely. I think that we're, we're not far removed from some of the ugliest parts of history. And I think that, you know, and, and, and like you said, it's very important because um, our grandparents live those days. They have their perspective and that perspective got passed on to a child. They got passed on to another child. And we're the products of people that actually seen what we're reading about in our history books. And so I think that first, those minds have to understand that we're only um, 60 years removed from those moments. And, 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 and like you said, those dates are very, very important. Yeah, it's one of those things I, I believe is intentional. You know, the, uh, whenever you see a picture of one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s marches, it's in black and white. They were not so long ago as for the pictures to have had to have been in black and white. There are color photographs of those. And I, I do feel like they are usually aren't used to try and distance those events from 
you know, pr- the present. Yeah. Make to make it seem like a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even um, my, my grandfather's actually even told stories of, you know, just because where he grew up thinking that talking a certain way and, you know, saying some things was okay. And then getting to see the world and being so embarrassed and felt feeling so bad because it wasn't that long ago that he was just never taught not to say some of these things. And that's, you know, I, I know my grandfather's kind of old, but he's still around. So it's just kind of like, that's recent, you know? So uh, do you think, uh, what do you think we could learn from history to help us get through this time? Uh, I, I think we can learn so much when we look at it. It's, it's amazing that 60 years ago, technology has advanced to the point now where our cell phones do things that computers do, do the things that maps used to do, do the things that talking on the telephone used to do. Our, our, cell, our cell phones have advanced so much, but yet our mindsets, are still so far um, behind. And I think that the first thing that we have to learn from history is when there was griping, when there was complaining, when there was internal fighting, it opened up the world to be attacked. Uh, You look at ancient Rome, it's it's what my class is talking about now. Ancient Rome was one of the most powerful empires, but what destroyed ancient Rome? It was fighting within. What destroyed Greece and brought Greece down, uh, fighting within. And I think if America does not understand that internal fighting will only open up the door for their attacks from outside of the world because the world is looking at us and they're saying, you know what, let them destroy each other. Then we can come in and reap the harvest. And I think that that's what history is going to show us that whenever there's internal fight and whenever people are against each other, nobody really wins at the end. And I think that it's sad that another generation of young people are born that's still wrestling with history, still wrestling with somebody looking at them because of the color of their skin or because of the religion that they worship. It's, it's sad that we're still stuck even though technology has advanced around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways you can support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you can always rate this show on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter either on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You could share this episode on your own social media. You could donate to our cash app with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, or you could subscribe to this show wherever good podcasts are found. Yeah, especially that last one. That's probably the easiest way to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. Yeah. And to show us that you really love us. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to the show. Indeed. So could you think of any scripture that maybe directly addresses the need for history or even the need to, or, you know, you you talked about how, when we're divided, that could be an issue. Could you think of any scripture that you think directly speaks to this subject? Yes, sir. The, 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 the one um, most important scripture that, that addresses this is when Jesus basically said after um, seeing it in the old Testament, a house divided against itself will not stand. And that is very important. And you can find that in Matthew 12, uh, 22 through 28. And so basically, I think that the houses that are divided against itself um, will not stand. I think that this is even apparent in our churches, that if our churches don't deal with um, the racial issues or how people are seen and perceived, 
then it only weakens the body of Christ and it weakens all of our ability to witness. Um, I, I was so um, spellbound about how the church, which really seemed like it was divided over political parties, that um, you had some saying this and you had some saying that, and the world was watching. And so if we don't get our houses intact and our foundation strong, it's going to hurt our ability to witness. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, you know, for a long time, I thought that was an Abraham Lincoln quote, uh, you know, a house divided cannot stand because well, he did use it in his speech to the Republican, whatever. He used it one time. He said it. Uh, it's a great speech. I don't remember it, but uh, I always thought it was really funny that it seemed like, you know, I grew up in upstate South Carolina. So I've probably seen well over a thousand you know, house divided flags, but about Clemson and the Gamecocks. Yeah. And people just take it and they're like, yeah, this is, we are <laughs> unwell in this house. Yeah, like they're bragging was, about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we don't have healthy conversations about sports in here. But, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize how dumb that was until I was like, man, it's, a Bible verse that says it's bad to be divided. And was just like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're we're asking everyone this month, uh, this because it's Black History Month. This is going out in February. Uh, do you have a favorite black theologian or church leader that you can tell us about? Um, I'm always a fan of... Um, Dr. G.E. Patterson, the late great G.E. Patterson and his ability to articulate the scriptures and bring um, such a such a well-rounded telling of the scriptures that brought life and it told the stories like that captivated audiences. And so I always uh, like it. But I think that probably we will still always agree that Martin Luther King was probably one of the greatest theologians outside of being a civil rights leader um, because we still quote his speeches today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. should our should our listeners go and see what uh, G. Patterson did? Yes, sir. Read about him because yeah. you know I trust, him. I trust. I trust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know this is me showing just how how child Josh was just dumb? But like until I was in middle school, and I think it was in later middle school, I really thought that Martin Luther King Jr was like Martin Luther's son. Like they were just all part of the Reformation somehow. <laughs> yeah, it just... Did, did, your, well, did your teachers ever tell you why they changed his name to Martin Luther King Jr.? No, I don't his, think they did. His name was actually Michael. And his dad felt that Martin Luther King Martin Luther was more of a reformer and more of a distinguished name upon learning about him. And so decided to change his name and Martin Luther King Jr.'s name to Martin Luther instead of Michael. So imagine if it would have been Michael uh, King Jr. instead of Martin Luther King Jr. I had no wow. idea. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, I, did, I didn't know that. That's so weird. I knew there was Martin Luther King Sr. than Martin Luther King Jr. And I just thought, you know, they're just a thing. <laughs> so at one point it was, what would, would it have been Michael Luther Sr. and Michael Luther Jr.? Uh, no, was, or was his name Michael something King. else? Martin Luther kind of came together from the reformers. Okay, so it was just Michael. Was it Michael King Sr. and Michael King Jr., though, or did they have yes, different names before? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Up until I think Martin was around three or four, it changed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Wow. Who would have thought? 
learn something new every day. Wow. Yeah. What, a, what a great podcast. It was worth it just for that. Yeah. There are so many just name changes throughout history that just, you know, you really wouldn't know about unless someone explained it to you. Yeah. Like yeah. even uh, even Bass Reeves and his great, great, great grandson, Ryan Reeves, they spelled their last name differently because, you know, at some point uh, someone in the family was like, well, I don't want to honor your, you know, or bear my enslaver's name anymore. So I'm going to change it. And then I mean, even in ancient Rome, uh, Octavian, God, I'm going to get this wrong. You're, you're going right. You're going right. Augustus. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Octavian and Augustus. Same dude. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. But, yeah. Happens. A you lot. know, that's a, uh, it's sort of like, see, and, I, and I've never been able to confirm whether this is true or not. So I just, everybody, you know, take this with a grain of salt, I guess. But I, I've been told that somewhere in my family history, we were French and my last name was Noel. Uh, then when the Germans came in, instead of, you know, changing the name, they were like, hey, if we just say Noel, they'll think it's German. <laughs> uh, I yeah. like to believe that that's what happened I, just because I think it's funny. <laughs> But yeah. I guess we'll never know. But uh, <laughs> that being yeah, said, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have a different like a different episode on how names change. Uh, yeah, so look out for that. Yeah, uh, Bastard CT will be back for that too. Don't worry. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man, old English spelling really messed a bunch of stuff up. That, uh, that's yeah, true. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so we asked you this before, and it wasn't even that long ago. But I'm going to ask you again, and uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe you can come up with something new. Uh, At the end of every episode, we just like to ask if you had any one tangible action you could have everybody listening go do that would better help church unity, help maintain church unity. What would that one practical action be? Um, I I think that one action that would need to be is um, if, if everyone of a different race could find someone else, give them a hug and take a picture with them and post it on social media. I think that we need to see, because social media is the hot driving force, it's more mightier now than a newspaper or a uh, talking in a barbershop, but everybody puts things on social media. But if we see more racial unity and more growth um, on social media, I think it would do a lot for us um, because a lot of people are not going to read history books. They're not going to um, look at um, different programming outside of what they're comfortable seeing. But I think that if people saw hugging and people saw embracing and one people as one race on social media would do a world of good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for some of you, you might need to wait till after the pandemic, but yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, <laughs> hey, hey, bump, bump elbows, put on your mask. <laughs> yeah. Just take a, uh, you know, most cameras have that wide angle now. Just stand six feet apart with your mask. (laughs) But sorry, go ahead, DJ. Okay. Uh, So, what what do you think would happen if everyone started doing that? I I think I think it would destroy a lot of stereotypes. I mean, could you imagine a a Baptist preacher getting with a non-denominational Pentecostal preacher and taking a picture? And, and starting something that our revivals wouldn't look separated because I know a lot of times we talk about racial separated separation, but look what denominations did to us. Denominations mm-hmm. basically say you stay over there with your group and I'm gonna stay over here with my group. We're gonna do it this way. Can it be the littlest doctrinal uh, problem that really keeps people 
um, away from each other. And I think that if we started by saying, you know what, we're going to come outside of our shell and begin to have conversations with other people of, of that may not agree on everything we agree on, but if they still stand uh, for righteousness, then hey, that's still our brother. I think that'd be, I think that would go so far over. I think our oh, leaders yeah. need to do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I absolutely agree. And this, this would have to be a whole nother podcast, but you know, when no, Martin, Luther, you need me, whenever you need me, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Well, you know, when um, Martin Luther and the reformate, the reformers were separated from the Catholic church, the Catholic church warned that that would happen. And there'd be, you let everybody read a Bible for themselves that there will be this kind of separation. And I don't think the separation over doctrine is necessarily a bad thing. The separation with the attitude that some of us have, you yes. know, to say, hey, we believe differently, that that's fine. Go to a different church, learn different things. But if you can't come together, that I think that's where the problem really is. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, that, that's a whole nother podcast. The inability to unify is you know, much worse than you know, separating. Yeah, well, I, I think unity, the way the Catholic Church was talking about at that point, you know, Catholic Church is wildly different now. Don't think we're attacking the Catholic Church, but... That kind of unity where, hey, if everybody's ignorant, they'll be unified. That's mm-hmm. not impressive. That's not a light to the world in the same way of imagine all the different denominations and all the different disagreements we have and still coming together, being unified, educated right. with different opinions. That stands out a lot more than unity because of ignorance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. yeah. But to get on with it. Uh, CT, you've been on here before. You know how we like to wrap things up. Uh, we like to do our God Moment segment. Uh, we just we all share something that God has done in our lives recently. You know, a blessing, a moment of worship, something challenging, uh, any of those things. So I always like to make Josh go first. Uh, it fills me with joy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my mine this week is going to be relevant to the topic, so that's that's great. <laughs> but um. My second cousin, I don't know, my my mom's cousin, I don't know what that makes her to me, but she passed last week from coronavirus, and um, her mother passed last year, Uh, I forget, her father passed not that long ago, uh, when my grand, but uh, what what I'm getting at is when my papa passed, and when all of the other members of our family passed that have passed on that side of the family, we've had one guy... uh, his uh, brother Frederick, I can't remember his last name right now, unfortunately, but he did the sermons for a lot of those funerals. I think all of them, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he is a a man of color who he's so close to our family that I literally just forget that he's not family. So when he was doing the service today, I, you know, I was able to listen a little bit to it, and because um, they did it online, it was so funny because at the beginning he mentioned how him and Wayne are brothers and how, you know, even though our skin might look differently, you know, some people might not be able to see it. And I was like, huh, that's right. He's not actually related to us. Like it just hit me. Like I just forgot. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, man, it, it was weird. It was, um, it was a very sad moment to be sure, but it was also a blessing to remember the family that I do have to remember that my cousin has gone on to be with the Lord and this, that strong church family presence that's involved with everybody. So. It was a pretty good mm-hmm. moment. Right. I, I believe a, a personal relationship can overcome any racial prejudice. You know, it's just more difficult to build that relationship. 
At least I hope that's the case. I agree. But uh, I, I think my God moment uh, for this week is, uh, you know, going to be a blessing. I, you know, I've had like a sharp pain in my right shoulder, uh, just like right, right in the rotator cuff uh, for a little while now. It's, you know, I don't even remember when it started. It's just there. But, uh, you know, I haven't really felt it in the past five days, six days. It's just not there anymore, you know? So that's right. great. Super thankful for that. I can properly pick things up now. But, Get back uh, to playing you know, tennis. That's been, yeah. <laughs> I did it anyways with it when I was playing tennis. But anyway, maybe <laughs> that great. was the problem. Yeah. Just not used to so, uh, CT, do you have a God moment for us this week? Oh, yes. My, my God moment is, is definitely um, how out of the shadows of despair and hurt um, a people that's committed to the Lord will always rise. Um, and I think even in situations that we see in our world today, if we stay committed to the Lord, we shall rise above any moment. I think moments like this come to definitely show us our ability to have faith and trust in God, as well as our ability to really test forth the scriptures. Um, I've been able to have more engaging, intelligent conversations um, in the last three weeks than I have in, in a long time. And I think that's because when people start seeing things from a different perspective and being able to talk about them, then we start on that road to racial unity and harmony. And so I, I'm thankful that God will always show himself faithful at the end of any experience. Um, I was able to reconcile uh, with a brother pastor um, within the last week um, because of some things that happened at the Capitol. Um, and that brought us together to be able to have that conversation. And I think that the world needs those tough conversations to be able to put to bed any offenses or any um, misguided information that we have. A lot of times when we don't talk about things, that's when we are led to our own imaginations. And then at the end of the day, we find ourselves, dog, if we had just talked about that, that grudge wouldn't have lingered as long. That that hatred or that malice wouldn't have ever been able to enter into our minds if we sat down and talked about it. So um, I, I, I think a great God uh, moment is simply have those conversations and then agree to love at the end of them. It's going to be mighty. Mm-hmm. That's that Socratic discourse. That's right. You have to know other people's opinions to learn. Powerful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, I, I, I could just talk all day, man. It, it, this has been really great, really a joy. But um, it's true. He can talk all day. Yeah, and that it is true. But we do need to wrap up. <laughs> so uh, wh- where and I know you've told our audience before, but could you remind them where can they find your books and your sermons and everything that you do? Um, they, they can go on uh, a Facebook, of course, C.T. Kirk. Um, I got a C.T. Kirk author page. Um, the book is available on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, SecondSale.com, AuthorPublishingHouse.com. And so excited about that. I'll be doing a book sign in February the 6th. I don't know if it's going to go out um, by February 6th, but February the 6th at the Mercantile Building from 12 to 3. And people can come uh, get their book signed or get a book. Uh, we're going to have music, inter- uh, food, and everything. And then we're going to talk about the book as well. Awesome, awesome. That's actually my birthday. So, oh, you gotta come. It'll, out be, it'll be a great day. Birthday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But all uh, right. Awesome, awesome. And you have a your your church has a Facebook page as well, right? Yes, yes, sir. Sanctuary of Life Outreach Center. Awesome, awesome. All right. So, some future guests for the whole church podcast. 
Uh, we've got Paul Calcote of the Real People, Real Talk podcast, uh, Reverend Kino Kennedy and Sister Sylvia Staten, great friends of ours, uh, Pastor J.R. Martin, Joshua's godfather, no, no big guy. deal, greatest mustache in the game, listen to our <laughs> church. Uh, and of course, at the end of this season, season one, uh, we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, he just has no idea, but th- that won't be an obstacle. Right. That is I simply agree. not going to stop us. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And of course, if they want to hear the last segment, TJ, what do they got to do? Yeah. Well, you've got to go over to Patreon, slide us a couple dollars under the digital table, and uh, you can hear this last segment we do. Uh, So thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you back here next week.